This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome to the show that is all about uncovering the awesome in the everyday. Each week, my co-hosts and I give our favorite tips, share our best stories, and confide our true confessions as we invite you to join us in the pursuit of awesome. This is episode 81 of the show, and I am so delighted to be joined this week by two of the most interesting and smartest ladies I know. My dear friend and regular co-host, Laura Tremaine, is here today, and returning to Sorta Awesome this week is Jessica Turner. Jessica is the creator of and longtime blogger at themomcreative.com, and the author of the book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You. She was the guest co-host of Sorta Awesome episode 20. And this week, Laura and Jessica are going to give the rundown on the best in reading in 2016. They'll be dishing on the books everyone is talking about. They'll be telling us about the books they can't stop talking about. And they'll be revealing their very favorite reads in 2016. We have so many books to discuss this week, but don't worry about taking notes or anything. You can find links to every book mentioned in today's episode in the show notes of our website at SortaAwesomeShow.com. Ladies, we have so much to get to today, but first, let's go ahead and start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. Laura, what do you have for us this week? Hey, Awesomes, I have something that is feeding my ever-increasing hands-free revolution and it is for my iPhone, and it is called the Bandolier iPhone Accessory. Oh, my goodness. I've never even heard of this. It's going to change your life. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Um, so I don't know about everyone else, but I used to carry a big tote, like a big tote purse. I love a big tote. I do like the way they look. But also, I think it's because when I was in the baby kid stage, I had to have like wipes and an extra pair of socks sure. and a diaper and a whatever. Yeah. And so I had like this big old tote purse. And um, I started to notice that it was driving me nuts. Like my shoulders would hurt or whatever. So I've gone like smaller. And so as my kids get older, that's right. my purses have gotten smaller. <laughs> yes, that's so there's, true. There's a direct correlation there for <clears throat> sure. <laughs> and right now I'm like down to the absolute basic, which is my phone and my credit card and my ID. And I can do this with this bandolier iPhone accessory. It's kind of like, it's like a case when you just look at it. Like it's like, I got just a plain black one. It's like a case that goes around your phone and it starts with um, iPhone 5 okay. and up mm -hmm. into the recently released iPhone 7. It has these little hooks at the bottom that a strap latches to either oh, okay. side. And uh -huh. so then this strap makes it a crossbody. So it's basically like a crossbody phone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But on the back, um, it has this little pouch, very thin still. It doesn't make your phone that thick. It has a little pouch where you can slip in your ID, your credit card, you know, a parking ticket, like whatever you need quickly at your disposal. And I love it. That's I care. I do it all the time. I don't even carry a purse anymore. It's become like my new thing. That's amazing. I love a crossbody and I love that you're just, it's all compact. It's all right there together. I know. I'll have to put a, um, a photo in the Hangout group or on social media so you can kind of get what I'm saying because it might be hard to envision. You can find them though on bandolier.com. That's B-A-N-D-O-L-I-E-R. And they have um, 
really plain ones. I just got a plain black one because I just thought that was easier. But they also have really cute ones that have like studs on the strap and um, like snake print and whatever. I saw it. The thing is, I saw this on another mom at school who I did not know, by the way. And I like approached her and I was like, what, what are you wearing? What is that? (laughs) And she showed it to me. I literally went home and ordered it like that day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I should say that the plane, when I got it starts at $88, it's real leather. And then the kind of like, as they get more intricate, there's like fancy chain ones and whatever, they go up to like $150, but I didn't need that crazy one. So, um, since I've had it, I've had other moms, I shouldn't, not that this is mom specific, but I've had other women approach me and be like, what, what are you wearing around your, yeah. is that like a, is that a phone purse? <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, and I'm yes. like, And I'm like, yes. And let me tell you all about it. Go order one right now. So <laughs> I felt like I needed to tell all the awesomes about it because it is so hands-free perfect. Now I actually am a person who likes to carry like um, a lipstick and, you know, like things. And so, you know, It's not good for that. But for like a day out with the kids when you don't need like all the extra whatever, I can't say enough about bandolier, phone case, go get it. I'm totally digging that idea. Love it. Jessica, welcome back to Sorta Awesome, first of all. We're so glad you're here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. So awesome of the week. What did you bring for us? Uh, So I had surgery on December 2nd and I work full time outside the home. And so I'm on... FMLA leave for five weeks. So it was a pretty major surgery, long recovery. And so my awesome of the week is actually pajamas. Yes. So I I am one of those people who really loves coordinated pajamas. And I always have. And I feel like in adulthood, many of my friends are like, what are you wearing? Like I'll go on a girls weekend and everyone's got like t-shirt and pajama pants. And I'm like in coordinated button up cute pajamas. It's just my thing. And so I had a breast reduction. And so with a breast surgery, you can't raise your arms and you need to have button up pajamas is what they told me to have. Makes sense. So I thought this was a great excuse to replace all of my pajamas. And so I did a lot of research for pajamas that are button up. And my most favorite after having been wearing pajamas for two weeks are the Gilligan O'Malley pajamas that I got at Target. And I've been a longtime fan of Gilligan O'Malley pajamas. I find that they wash really well. They travel well. They don't get like wrinkly and they don't get nubby. But they have these really cute sets at Target right now that are button up two piece. And they're just solid colors with a different color piping. I'm wearing a set right now while we're recording. Um, But they have gray ones and black ones and red ones. And I bought all of them. And (laughs) they are my most awesome, awesome thing of the week. They're so comfy and Thin. I don't get hot or sweaty or gross in them when I'm sleeping. Like I love these Gilligan O'Malley winter pajamas that they have right now. So that is my awesome of the week. Well, Are they cotton? What's the material? Um, yeah, they're cotton, but they have a little bit of stretch in them. Nice. Mm. Good. But yeah, they are. I mean, they are cotton. They're not like silky. No. Mm-mm. And they're not a super thick cotton. Um, they're not like a flannel thickness. They're a thin. I feel like I could wear them year round, even though they're long sleeve. Yeah. But I am really digging. Usually, you know, when I had the big girls, I always was getting the pullover <laughs> pajamas that go over my head because there were no buttons in my life. And now that there are buttons in my life, I find that the Gilligan O'Malley with buttons are also awesome. So all around it. awesome pajamas, Gilligan O'Malley, get them at Target. I'm sure that Laura will agree with me. You look absolutely darling. And I cannot believe you are two weeks out from recovering from major surgery. So aren't aren't we such good friends that we're like, Jessica, we know you've had this major surgery, (laughs) but would you come be on our show? Thanks. And I was like, absolutely. (laughs) I did delay my narcotics medication before recording this. So hopefully I will be on the up and up for this podcast. <laughs> I'm actually sad about that because it would have been really fun to hear you talk about books while you were high. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we appreciate the sacrifice and we will keep this the pace moving along quickly so you can get back to your recovery routines. So yeah, that's so sweet. Well, my awesome of the week this week, I think will speak to a lot of people who are weathering cold and flu season right now. I don't know about your families, but oh my gosh, the past week has been a cough festival around here. (laughs) 
And um, so I was thinking of a couple of things that we've been doing. You know, I've talked about many times on the show that we generally try to pursue some kind of a natural, um, crunchy kind of healing first before we pull out the big guns of um, at the pharmacy. So I wanted to throw out a couple of ideas if you also, you your family, people in your life, especially have the cough and cold. You guys, it seems like everywhere I turn, somebody has a cough and cold. Yes. I have a sick baby home today with the cough and cold. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. A couple of things. First of all, if you are of the essential oil um, belief in healing, if you like to have your essential oils and you think that those are a great way to support healing for yourself, I wanted to say that um, plant therapy, a couple of things that they have, a couple of their blends are really great for healing from cough and cold. I especially love plant therapy because they have their kids safe line, which I've talked about a a couple of times already on the show, but I love their kids safe line because they are completely safe for children ages two to 11. And so one of the things with essential oils is you always want to make sure that you're using oils that are appropriate for um, kids. If you have kids around in their kids safe line, they have sniffle stopper and sneezy stop. Those don't necessarily help with the cough part, but definitely with the congestion and all of the stuff, the sore throat that's going that goes along with it, you can diffuse that. You can also um, get it in the roll-ons and just roll it on the wrist or uh, behind the ear. And those are really great for supporting kids as they're healing. For grown-ups, plant therapy has the Respire Aid, which is to support respiratory system for grown-ups. And it really does. It's kind of one of those that kind of kind of like Vicks, you know, has that kind of same cooling effect to it. So those are great essential oil-wise. Wait, um, what are you doing with them? Are you diffusing them? Or are you rubbing them under your nose? I don't diffuse so much, um, but I do like a roll-on. So yeah, I like to do it on the wrist um, on the neck or behind the ear. Some people, I mean, you can put it under your nose if you want to, or, uh, on your neck. Those are a couple of places that you can apply it, but you could totally, if you have a diffuser, you can put a few drops into your diffuser and have that going through the house as well. Hmm. Okay. Um, if you, um, prefer an herbal remedy, I have to tell you one that that I just found just a few weeks ago, Kyle had this actually this cold and cough that we've all been sharing back and forth. He had it first. And so I went to Sprouts and found a herbal remedy by Wish Garden Herbs. It's called Serious Cough. And it's one of those where you get a couple of droppers full, dilute it in water or juice. And it really does work. This is one of the best herbal remedies that we have found in terms of calming the cough down. It has things like marshmallow root, licorice root, um, wild cherry bark, all kinds of herbs that are known for helping to get that cough calmed down. So it has provided some serious cough relief around here. The third option I was going to remind you all of, this is kind of the old fashioned option that's been around for a long time before the essential oils and the herbal remedies were back in style. And this is the healing potion that I've talked about on the show before, but just as a reminder, equal parts of apple cider vinegar, honey, and lemon juice. Mix it together. You can dilute it in hot water or hot tea or maybe a splash of whiskey in there. Sip on it throughout the day. Just kind of keep refilling it. And that helps soothe the cough. And I really do think that it shortens the length of the cold that you're battling. I don't have any scientific evidence to prove it. (laughs) But anecdotally, I do think that it helps shrink down the time that you're actually battling these things. And as a reminder, don't forget your elderberry syrup, either in either do it your elderberries in syrup form or gummies or something like that to help boost your immune system so you maybe don't even pick up any of these cough and cold germs that are going around. So I was waiting for you to say elderberry because yes. I learned about elderberry from this show yes. and I just placed my Grove Collaborative order and had elderberry in there yes. because of you all and because of all the junk going around at school. So I have you to thank for the elderberry gummies in my house. I'm so glad. The gummies are such a great development for elderberries. I like the syrup personally. My kids, my twins do not like the syrup at all. So we've been doing gummies with them. So great. So yeah. All right. Let's move into talking about books. We have so many to talk about this week. Before we get to the specifics of 2016 that you guys loved, 
I would love to hear a little bit from each of you about your taste in reading. Sometimes when people come on the show and talk about books, we ask them, you know, do you prefer to read on your Kindle? Do you prefer a hardcover? I thought it would be fun this week. And um, I asked Laura and Jessica to be kind of thinking about this, about how your taste in reading has developed through the years. Is it kind of influenced by the family you grew up in or the schools that you went to? Where did your taste come from? How did it develop over time? Laura, I would love to hear from you first. Okay. Anybody who has ever listened to me talk about books on this podcast pretty much can see that my taste runs towards the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's accurate. I, I do not really like fluffy books or romance books or even very many beach ready type of books. Like I kind of like really dense, dark, intense, intense, layered books. And I get really annoyed when books are not that. Um, (laughs) Not really annoyed. I mean, there's some things like I read Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell this year, which was obviously completely out of my type of genre. And I really enjoyed it. So it's not that there's not exceptions. It's just in general, I tend to like um, darker. Sometimes that means suspense or psychological thrillers, but it really doesn't need to be ultra dramatic. I'm inclined towards like even a complicated family story or a friendship memoir or like some of the classics that have darker themes. Note that most classic books are pretty dark. <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. I just tend to like um, things that sort of are, are not... Sunny. Um, I think this might have started in the fourth grade. I had a friend down the street named Ryan, and her mom had a bookshelf full of things like Stephen King and that sort of genre. And we would steal them off to read the dirty parts. (laughs) (laughs) In the fourth grade. In the fourth grade. Please note. And my parents did not read anything like that. My dad reads a lot of like history and stuff like that. So there was nothing like that on the shelves at my house. But at Ryan's house, her mom, who was an avid reader, had all of these like kind of bestsellery, suspense type of books. And when we would pull off the Stephen King, which has adult language, <laughs> and Ryan would have like marked where what we needed to read basically. But anyway, I would read those parts because I was a fourth grader, but I would also be like super drawn. I was like, wait, this writing is like a different level. I recognized it even then. And since then, I've been a huge Stephen King fan, which I've talked about in general, but even just that kind of genre, not necessarily horror. I don't like his more horror stuff, but again, just like the sort of layered suspense, psychological writing. And maybe I would have been drawn to that anyway, once I had discovered it when I was older, but I can definitely trace back that memory and that school year of being like, that is when it started for me, like for sure. And my taste has stayed in those veins, like for whatever, 25 years or whatever. So that's where my taste comes from. I think. It's a lot of sense. That explains a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Like a lot of things. Okay, Jessica, how about you? Let's talk a little bit about your taste in general and if you can kind of trace it back to a moment in history as well. I can't trace my taste to a moment in history, but I can trace my love of reading kind of to a moment. Um, I was in first grade. I had a uh, rectangular shaped flashlight and I remember reading The Boxcar Children in my bed with, you know, I was supposed to be asleep. It was before school and I could hear like the blow dryer going and my mom and dad getting ready for work. And we were supposed to be sleeping and I was reading with a flashlight because I couldn't stop reading these books. And so I remember from a very early age being happiest and being willing to sacrifice sleep for a good book. Definitely. Um, In fourth grade, I was reading... um, Nancy Drew, I would say, not Stephen King. So a little different from Laura. Um, (laughs) She was a more sophisticated reader, I guess, than I was at that age. Um, But I remember my mom would go to rummage sales in the summertime and literally buy boxes of books because it 
wasn't worth even going to the library because I was reading a book a day and it was just easier to pay 25 cents a paperback so that I would have enough books for the summer to read. Um, so I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't love reading and definitely notice a difference in my life when I'm not reading a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and 2015 was a year where I didn't read a lot. I don't even think I read 10 books in the whole year. And you can, <laughs> looking back, see a difference in maybe even my personality and my stress level and all of those things. And so I chose the word slow for this year. And I think the biggest way that you can see that I made some sort of traction with that is in my reading and that I read 50 books this year. And so that feels oh, wow. like a huge, huge difference in how I was spending my time and what I made a priority because I read so many more books this year. And so my taste is fiction over nonfiction, which is I people sometimes are surprised by that because I write nonfiction. Right, I write, yes. you know, kind of in that self-help nonfiction genre. Um, but I will always pick a historical fiction book over any nonfiction book over any memoir. It's not to say that I don't ever read those books, but it's very far and few between. Um, I love really well-researched fiction or fiction that is a really deep, thoughtful story that you can go back and, and see the foreshadowing and the, that sort of thing. I don't like the beach reads. I don't like the chiclet. I don't like romance. Like I really appreciate really good, good storytelling and character development. Excellent. That's so great. We are going to have such a good discussion today. Let's get right to it. There were a ton of books that got a lot of buzz. When we do our book shows on Sort of Awesome, we kind of like to check in with the books that are being buzzed about so we can kind of all be in the loop with what's popular in the literary world um, right now. So some of the ones that were really popular this year that, that I read a ton of commentary on and heard people mention over and over, uh, books like When Breath Becomes Air, the Nest, The Girls, there's lots of thes, The Woman in Cabin 10, The City of Mirrors. Uh, let's check in on these popular buzzed about books, Jessica, from, from kind of the, the list of really popular books in 2016. What, what are some of the ones that stood out to you that you read? So from what you mentioned, I read The Woman in Cabin 10. Um, that was a book of the month selection that I read. I don't think that it was the best thriller that I read this year. Um, but in terms of your list, I did read that one. I thought it was okay, but I mean, it wasn't a five-star book for me. Um, Lilac Girls and When Breath Becomes Air. And Lilac Girls, I will probably talk about a little more in depth later on, but I am obsessed with that book. It is my favorite book I read this year. I absolutely loved it. I can't say enough about it. I could talk about it for this whole podcast. Um, and then <laughs> When Breath Becomes Air, I also really appreciated, I think, um, maybe for a different reason than the general public in that I work in healthcare. And oh, it was yes. about a, um, a physician. And um, I think reading about the care that he had for his patients and the way that he looked at their ailments and um, their experiences and why he became a, a physician in the first place, I found really fascinating. Um, I will say that in the, so the book is um, mostly written, I can't remember the author's name, but it's mostly written by this doctor. And then the afterward is written by his wife. And I sobbed reading the afterward. I was in the bathtub reading, sobbing. And I didn't realize how much I had connected with him mm. until I read the afterward, until I read her part. And then I was um, thought to myself, man, this book hit me more than I realized that it did. Because in some parts it was kind of dense, um, talking about, you know, what he read and researching and, and some of those types of things. Um, but I really connected with it when I read his wife's portion um, that she writes in the afterward. One other book that I loved that is completely different from any book that I would normally pick up is Dark Matter. Uh, it's a science fiction book, which is just not my genre. It was a select by Book of the Month, and it was not the choice that I made for that month. But then I had so many people in the sort of awesome literary group talking about it that I felt like I had to read it. And I read it, I think, in a day or two days. It was fantastic. The book club that I host at my office is reading that book right now. And 
everybody is loving it. And I think it's so cool to kind of read outside your genre. And I think that's a great introductory into a different type of book than what I feel like a lot of people read. Yeah, that's the book. I actually joined Book of the Month to get Dark Matter because so many people were talking about it. And I agree with you. It's not outside my normal genre. It's inside my normal genre. And and I loved it. I thought it was really good. It takes a very complicated scientific theory and and makes it really readable and understandable. And I thought that was a great book. I loved it. What about you, Laura? Um, Okay, I read quite a few of the buzzed about books this year, but I didn't like, I didn't like very many of them. Um, (laughs) I'll start with what I did like. I loved City of Mirrors. That was Justin Cronin's third book in his Passage trilogy. I've talked about this book at length this summer, but it was a really satisfying ending to that trilogy. The beginning of that trilogy is called The Passage, which I loved, loved, loved. The middle book is called The Twelve, which I did not love. This third book that came out this summer is called City of Mirrors, and I was nervous about it because I had not liked the second book. And I thought it was amazing. Outside of that, it had a lot of battle scenes. It was a very satisfying conclusion to this like epic, epic, post-apocalyptic, science-y, relational story. Um, It's really good. And I actually advise that if you haven't read those books that you just sit down and just read all three of them together. I think it would actually be a better way to do it than spacing them out between the years, which is what I did. I also loved When Breath Becomes Air that Jessica talked about. Um, And a book club book for my real life book club that we read was Before the Fall by Noah Hawley. Um, That book got a lot of buzz because he's a very popular television producer. And It was a really easy story to get into. It's sort of a weekend read to me. It's kind of suspenseful. Um, It starts with a plane crash. It doesn't give anything away. That's the premise of the whole book. And so you're finding out what happened before the plane crash, basically, (laughs) before the fall. I liked the characters. I liked the story. I liked the ending more than my fellow book club friends did. I will say if you're kind of a nervous flyer, it continues to flash back to the actual crash, like as the plane is starting to crash. I fly a lot, and that made me nervous. I I just feel like that's a fair warning that if you are – even if you're – I'm not an overly nervous flyer, and like reading – that was a little bit like, wow, this is, I'm really like, <laughs> it's a little my unnerving. Heart yes, I've that. heard that you should not read that book on a plane. That's actually my book club's choice um, for the spring. And I just started reading it. And I'm very glad that I'm sitting in a rocking chair in my house reading it and not on a plane. It is not one to read on the plane because it gets not graphic, like gory graphic, but it gets very detailed and like, how the passengers are feeling, what's happening in the cabin. Like I, that's, a, that's like a little, was a little bit much for me, that part. I just, it just made me nervous. <laughs> but the actual book is a good, again, sort of light-ish if a plane crash novel can be light, but you know, it, it's not like super deep, but I thought it was a fun weekend read. It was, it was a good one for book club, Jessica, actually, because there's lots to talk about. Um, who you like, who you don't like, like that kind of thing. What do you think really happened? Because that book does leave some things open to interpretation made for a great discussion. Some of the other books that came out that were really popular this year was The Nest, which I read late. Everyone read that this summer and I just read that last month because I picked it up for sale at a at a library book sale. But I didn't hate it or anything, but I didn't love it. It was pretty eh. The Girls, which everybody was also talking about this summer. I feel like I talked about this on the show a few months ago. I didn't love the girls. I felt pretty so-so about the girls until the end. And then there's sort of, I wouldn't call it a twist, but there's like a sort of a a major scene, if you will, at the end that I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of changing my perception of the whole book. And I really liked it. it. It was also a fairly easy read. It's sort of a fictional retelling of the Charles Manson cult-like dynamics with the girls that followed him. It's sort of a retelling of that. They fictionalize the names and the characters, but it is so obviously based on that event in history and that time in history that you you get the references. You know that there's going to be a very brutal tragedy coming, that kind of thing. 
and it was it was kind of a nice character study, but I still felt kind of medium. Another book that was really highly anticipated by like everyone this year was Truly Madly Guilty by Leanne Moyarty. And I know that I'm not alone in saying for a lot of people, it was quite a bit of a disappointment. Laura, I don't think anyone liked that book. It's because it's not a good book. Yeah. Um, and I'm a fan of hers and I really like a lot of her books. They're my favorite type of beach reads, which I've already said is not like really my favorite genre. But if they're, if I'm going to read something like that, I have a few authors that I turn to. She's one of them. And I just did not connect to the characters in this book. None of them were likable. And she's sort of famous for making these unlikable characters you know, you sort of fall in love with them. You sort of see yourself in them in a way because of their, she writes women's thoughts really well. That just was not true in this story. <laughs> and I, I don't want to get like super negative. I, I'm not a person, I don't like to, to go on and on in a negative way, but I just did not care for that book. And if you're new to her, definitely do not start with that one. Yeah. Sometimes those highly anticipated ones, it's like, it's too much expectation. And then bless it, it just doesn't turn out. So I get it. That happens. Let's really dig in and talk about some of your favorites, the books that you just cannot stop telling everyone that you loved so much this year, your favorite reads. Jessica, you kind of alluded to this already, that Lilac Girls was one of those for you. Let's hear, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more of your thoughts on Lilac Girls, why you loved it and why you can't stop talking about it. So Lilac Girls, I read on audio. So I listened to that book. And what I have found in talking to people about that book is if they did the audio version of Lilac Girls, they think it is like one of the best historical fiction books they have ever read. And if they read the paper copy, they don't have that type of emotion. It's still a good book, but it isn't like, oh my goodness, I can't stop thinking about these people. That is and so I think interesting. it is because it the book it takes place during World War II, and it is about an American philanthropist, a um German female doctor who was the only female doctor at this concentration camp, at the all women's concentration camp. Um, and then a woman who is taken to that concentration camp, a Polish woman. And it's read by three different women. Um, and they do the accents so well of these women. And then all of the characters within their stories, they do all of the voices and all of the accents so extremely well. I don't generally cry at books and I cried multiple times listening to this book. I absolutely loved it. I still think about the characters and what I found out after reading the book, and this doesn't ruin anything. In fact, I wish I had known it going into it. It's actually based on actual events uh, and a real story. And the German doctor and the American philanthropist were real people. The um, woman who is in the concentration camp is is sort of a combination of several different women. Um, But that made it then even more powerful when I finished it and learned this. I, I I tell people all the time, if you have never done an audiobook before, because I find that a lot of people, audiobooks are not their thing, that it is the, a perfect book to start with because it is so compelling. I felt like I was in the 40s, like wanting to listen to the radio of like, what's the story going to be tonight kind of thing. It's so well done. I absolutely loved that book. I think it is probably one of the best World War II historical fiction books I've ever read. And I have read a lot in that genre. Um, so now, I don't, I'm not an audiobook person. Yep. Um, it's just hard for me to keep the thread. I don't know why. And I'm curious why you say it would be good to start with. Is it because there's several different voices? So maybe you can follow it easier if you're not used to it? Or why do you think that people love the audio so much? I think it is such a compelling story and you almost feel like you're listening to a movie in some ways. Like you can really envision what's happening because the audio voices, the actresses who are doing these voices are so incredibly talented that it really draws you in. And even if you only have 15 minutes in the car, you can really pick the story back up. And so I think it's because the three voices add another dynamic um, that really enhance the experience of the book. Absolutely. 
So two other favorites that I had this year were Homegoing, which is actually a, a book I read late in the year and is getting a ton of buzz. It seems like all the lists that I'm seeing for the end of the year, it's on there and it should be on there. Um, it's by Ya, uh, I believe you say her last name, Yasi. I think the G is silent. It's G-Y-A-S-I. Okay. And it is a story that takes place over the course of multiple generations and it follows the lineage of two half sisters and their um, children, grandchildren, great grandchildren. And the chapters go back and forth between these two women's um, future grandchildren. And so every chapter we have moved ahead 30, 40 years, which I didn't think there was any way that this could be done well. And I read it in November and I traveled overseas and so was on the plane. So really in the course of like one day, because I was sitting on a plane for 20 hours um, (laughs) and I was blown away by how well done this story was and how well she told of the different experiences that happened to these people, um, both in Africa and in America. And it's a really rich, rich book. I loved the experience of it. I think it's the kind of book that I would want to read again in a couple years um, because the characters were so well done and her research was so well done. Really fascinating experience in learning about slavery and America in the 30s and just just a fantastic book. And then a nonfiction I did read a few this year. Uh, One that I really loved was Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle Melton. I really enjoyed reading that book because I found it to be so vulnerable. Um, I felt like I shouldn't be reading this. Like it felt so personal Mm. that this is something that only your closest friends know, not millions of people know reading it. Um, And I really found her vulnerability to be fascinating and um, it just to be a really fantastic memoir. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I feel like I rambled a lot. Laura, what about you? What are your favorites? My favorites for the year, and I have kind of a list, which this always happens, but the number one book right now that I cannot stop talking about that I'm telling everybody I know to to read is called The Sound of Gravel by Ruth Werner. It's a memoir by a woman who is the 39th child of her father's 42 children. Oh, wow. Wow. So she grew up in a polygamist sect. Um, They, before she was even born, this group of very extremist, fundamentalist, fringe Mormons moved, in fact, to Mexico and lived in Mexico, I'm sure for legal reasons and because they thought America was about to fall. So she grew up in a small little community in Mexico in this polygamous community. And that's a really dramatic backdrop. And I've given that for U.S. setup, but that's actually not even what the book is about. Like one, I know one of the reasons that I'm like, you have to read this book is because it has this, this dramatic background, but really this book is about family and the author's relationship with her mother and, you know, the complicated choices that, that relationship brings. She's often looking at her mother's choices, which her mother continued to, to live in this um, community with all of its problems. But if you're looking for like a, a salacious Mormon read, which a lot of those have come out, I did not find this book to be that. And I think that's one of the reasons I actually really loved it. It was because it was about family. It was about her relationship with her siblings. Not all 39 of them or whatever, (laughs) but, but, um, her immediate like full siblings. It's just very, this book is so compelling by the end of it. I was crying. I'm not a big book crier at all. I was on the airplane. I cried. I closed it. I stumbled around the plane. We got off the plane. I was like, I can't think. My husband was like, we have to get dinner. And I was like, I can't (laughs) think about anything. Wow. I was put into total zombified by this book. It was so, so good. It's The Sound of Gravel by Ruth Wariner. I do not want to give too much about it away. I've given you the backdrop and just know that that that's only 
the tip of the iceberg. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have to read this one. Oh you have to read it. You cannot believe how good it is. I can't believe more people aren't talking about it. It came out earlier in the year. I think it came out in January. And I did end up seeing it on some lists eventually, but I don't understand why everybody is not talking about this book. It was one of the hardest but most beautiful memoirs I've read in years. It is so good. Another memoir that I really liked and have talked about on the show before was Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Mm-hmm. It's also about a child growing up in difficult circumstances, radically different than what I just described, but growing up in a really poor part of the United States. And what was really powerful about that book is it kind of speaks to our American climate right now, our political climate. He really explains why some people are in the mentality that they are, the way that they view the government. And it really explains sort of a slice of America that I actually did not know much about. And it's very well done and very interesting. That's Hillbilly Elegy. The My top picks for fiction for the year, hands down by leaps and bounds, the best thing I read this year was The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Mm, yeah. I just read that a few weeks ago. It was the National Book Award winner. Um, it was also an Oprah pick. Not that those two necessarily go together, but you know, it was it's, also, I think, Goodreads pick as well. Was it, was it a Goodreads mm-hmm. pick? It is, it deserves all of the accolades that it's getting. It is a story, you know, it's a slave story, and it is about a woman who is trying to get out of the plantation that she is born, she's born on this plantation, and she's trying to escape um, through the Underground Railroad, which was a series of people who helped slaves escape and get to the North. And uh, this story is very, very difficult. At the beginning, especially, is quite scary, not just difficult in content um, with slavery and things, which of course that is there. There's some really graphic beatings and things like that that are hard to read. But it is also, it is scary. I felt like deep fear when I was reading um the it follows several different stories, but there's a main woman. And I I was like, this is um really very terrifying. There's some things that you just never hear about that are glossed over. It does not have some of the I don't know. I feel a lot of times when you read some of these post-Civil War stories, there's some um, what have almost become cliche. Uh, threads. And there is not that. This this story is raw and very emotional and is something I think we all really need to hear and know what's happening. Um, I know that this part of history was presented to me in history class as like, this was this terrible thing and now it's all better. Right. Like yes. we made it all right and, and then everybody got along and everything was fine. Um, And while it doesn't, of course, there's nothing modern day about it, when you are reading these things, you're like, there is absolutely no way that this got better in the way that it was presented to me. Mm. And I just, you know, I can't, I can say easily that I haven't read anything like it, which is true. I also haven't read a lot of things like it. (laughs) So I'm not sure, um, how, to me, it felt like breaking ground and awards wise, it seems to be breaking some ground. But I also have to just confess my my ignorance in some ways on this topic. But for me, this was like a huge eye-opener. And besides that part, which is the most important part to me, but besides that part, just on a literary sense, it is extremely well done. It is very well written. And it it does some flashbacks in time and some jumps and and some different things very well done that's hard to do in any genre and so i just i can't recommend this book enough even though it's a hard read it might not be something that you want to take to the beach necessarily but in these winter days when you're reading by the fire this is an important important story the underground railroad by colson whitehead and Laura, can I just add, um, I just pulled it up on Amazon while you were talking, and it says that it is frequently bought with homegoing, which yes. I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and what's neat about homegoing is that it does go to present day. So it starts in slavery in the late 1700s and goes to present day. And so you do kind of see how those generations, how that was impacted and kind of what happens present day. So um, I just thought that was worth mentioning that it says that those 
those books are often bought at the same time. That is really good because I have now seen them mentioned together quite a bit. So I'm glad that you said that. And I I will read Homegoing, but I need a minute. Like after yeah. you read The Underground yeah, yeah. Railroad, you're like, I I I need to read something else for a few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a few other things that I read this year that are noteworthy in the fiction department, Ruby by Cynthia Bond. It is post-slavery, but it is also a very difficult story. Um, it takes place in Texas. I talked a lot about this on the show. Also, dark content, also important. On a lighter note, although I don't get that light, is um, <laughs> is the Elena Ferrante Neapolitan novels, which were hugely popular last year and this year. The first one is called My Brilliant Friend. I can see on my Goodreads <laughs> that a lot of my Goodreads connections are like, I don't understand this book at all. Um, not that they don't understand the words, but they don't understand like the hype. They don't understand yeah. why it is like so popular. It is it is definitely not for everyone, my brilliant friend. Um, it's like a Italian soap opera if an Italian soap opera was really well written. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's very detailed and it's sort of very specific. I completely get why people are, are putting that book down a hundred pages in. But for me, I got really into this. It's a friendship story. It's about these friends who start in a really poor part, um, of Naples and through their life as they grow and get married and have children and et cetera. And I only read the first two. There's four. I will read the other two. But it's just worth mentioning because these books were talked about a lot. And it it is on my favorites list. My Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante. I'm going to stop even though I have more because I'm just (laughs) – I know. After listening to you, I'm like, oh, I want to say this and I want to say this. So (laughs) all right, I love talking books. I know. You guys have so much to say. But let's do talk about this because I think it's interesting when you like really liked a book and people around you are like, no, I don't think so. But let's let's, uh, flip it around. Were there any books that people around you were raving about and you're like, I read it. I don't know. It didn't land for me. Laura, did you have any like that? Well, yes. And I almost feel bad saying this because I can understand objectively that this was a good book. Like this is a beautiful piece of art, but I just could not stomach A Little Life by Hanya Yana Jihara. Now our friend Amy Ellen Clark loved it. I mean, I think it's like her favorite of the year. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And I, I love her taste. And again, this book is objectively very, very good. But as the reader... I was exhausted Mm -hmm. by this novel. There's kind of a beloved main character where everything, like the worst possible thing you can ever think of in your whole imagination has happened to him three times. Mm, Like it is exhausting. By the end, I was like, I can't. I mean, I just, I can't. Mm -hmm. It's so many bad things, Um, but it's very well written. But people loved that book. People are like claiming that book to be life changing. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) not for you. Not for me. And then maybe for others. Um, The other one, and I don't know if people loved this or not because I kind of stayed away from the chatter on it, but The Trespasser by Tana French. And I love Tana French. Um, I've read all of her books. She does the Dublin murder mystery series. And this was my least favorite of hers. But I know that quite a few people really did love that book, um, but I didn't. Okay, Jessica, how about you? Did you hear people raving about a book, but it just did not land for you this year? So I'm a huge proponent of if you don't like a book, you should stop reading it. So in that regard, I really didn't read any books that I didn't like, because if I don't like them, then I stop reading them, with the exception of Dead Wake by Eric Larson. And the only reason I completed that book was because Anne Bogle recommended it to me on her podcast. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like I needed to persevere. And I did the audiobook version of it, which I think made it worse for me in that case, because it was longer than if I were just reading the paper copy. But I absolutely hated it. People love (laughs) Eric Larson. I will never read another book by him because I disliked that one so much. Um, I didn't attempt Truly Madly Guilty because 
I hated Big Little Lies or whatever the heck that book is called. What is it called? Oh Laura, gosh. I know you love it. Big that, Little Lies, but I love that book. I hated it. And so like if people were buzzing about books that I was like, no. And I'm also kind of an Amazon review snob. And so if a book has less than a four-star review, I generally won't read it. And so a lot of people were buzzing about The Nest. It had a lot of mediocre reviews on Amazon. And so I didn't even try it. Wait, why did you not like the Eric Larson book though? I just, so it's about the sinking of the Lusitania. And the whole time I was listening to that book, I just wanted the boat to sink like it just <laughs> took so long to get to the book sink the boat sinking it just oh god it like gives I hated it I just thought that it was so dense and had so much extraneous information and I know that he's great about research and great about you know really putting together the whole story and it reads like it's fiction and I found that it was terribly boring and included a lot of information that I just did not need to know relevant to the boat sinking so not a fan. Got it. Got Good it. thing I finished that one, so I had something to say for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have a few more questions I want to ask you all before we wrap up today. Did either of you, especially you both have been prolific in your reading this year, did either of you have any like big discoveries, maybe a new author or a, a series that you really love or even a genre, something that has kind of changed your approach to reading this year? Jessica, how about you? So for me, it was audiobooks. So this was the first year that I ever listened to an audiobook, which is interesting because in my book, The Fringe Hours, I talk about audiobooks being an opportunity for women to consume more books. The number one thing that women want to do if they have free time is read. And if you feel like you don't have the time to sit and read a regular book, you could listen to a book. So I talk about this, but I've never done it before. And so this year I decided to go and try Audible. They have a thing where if you're a Prime member, you get two free books. So I'm like, I'm going to try this. And I fell in love with audiobooks. Um, and it really, I say that it changed my reading life because I was able to consume so many more books. I have a, a 20 to 30 minute commute each day to work. And so that was a lot of time where I could be yeah. listening to books. And so I found that I enjoyed doing laundry more because I was listening to books and cooking more because I was listening to books and just was able to experience more authors, more genres um, because of audiobooks that I think that it has given me a real appreciation for the art of audiobooks and audiobooks that are done really well, because if they're not done well, I mean, you just can't finish them. You can't dedicate 15, 20, 30 hours if they aren't done well. Um, so that was a big one for me. I also finally read Outlander, which is a book I've had on my shelf for probably eight years. I'm a huge fan of the show. And so I decided to try it as an audiobook. And I absolutely loved the audiobook. And it is long and sort of scary in that regard. It's 30 some hours, 34 hours, I think. Yes. That makes um, me want to faint dead away. It's, it's 30 right? hours so long. is too much. So long. And I will tell you that that month, I'm pretty sure that I listened to two books. So I listened to Outlander and I still found time to listen to another book that month. I did find that I was like gravitating toward the like seven, eight hour books after finishing Outlander that I wanted, you know, to finish a few but it was so well done um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think it was neat having watched the show to kind of be able to picture the characters because the show right. is so well done yeah. and sticks so closely to the books. Um, but Lilac Girls, my favorite book of the year, was an audiobook. And I would say that is like the big discovery for me. And then um, I also joined Book of the Month Club at the very beginning of the year and have had a very, very positive experience with that subscription service. And Laura, I know you do Book of the Month as well, but I can't say enough great things about that subscription service, especially if you want to read kind of the new and hot books. Right, right. I think a lot of the lists for the best books of 2016, I've seen half to two thirds of those were selections from Book of the Month, which leads me to believe that they are picking great, hot, upcoming books um, and that they do a really good job of it. I will say that is... The, the biggest bonus to me of Book of the Month Club is that um, it forces me to read a current bestseller or at least a current um, buzzed about book, which I don't 
I do not read super current most of the time. I don't um, either. I think that's that's a very good way of saying it, Laura. So that so that has been good for me because I actually have enjoyed like sort of reading what a lot of people are talking about or reading the things that, like you said, are showing up on the awards lists. Um, that has been really good. I, I and plus book of the month is fun. You know, it's fun to like do the selection and then it comes in the mail. Like there's fun things about it. My only caveat to it, it's not that great of a deal. Like oh, money that's wise. That's so funny because I was just going to say that I think it's cost effective. So <laughs> tell me and so tell me about that, Laura. Well, if you just do the regular deal, which is like $16.99 a month or whatever it is, I mean, that's about what the the hardback would be on Amazon usually. Now, I have gotten deals through it. So like the first one that I joined was in August and it was like a $5 for that month. And then I got, you know, I don't know if I, I don't remember the whole deal, but like there are, they put deals out quite a bit. So if you, if you score a deal, then that's fine. Um, I bought their Black Friday deal because it was six months for $9.99 a month. Yeah, that is a so good deal. So that was a great deal. And that made it really worth if you score that kind of thing. If you just join in in their regular price point and stay at that, I mean, like money-wise, it's fine. It's not a scam, you know, because it's comparable to Amazon. But it's you're not like really saving a buck. Yeah, I think even if you were to do the $16.99, it's at worst equal. But typically in that first month, a lot of times I, I will look at the prices and I would say that you're saving anywhere from 2 to $8 a book if you were to do the $16.99. I definitely think it's worth trying it at a three-month trial to see if you like it and then paying for the 12 months because I think at the 12 month rate, it's $12.99 a book. I also mm. like that you can add on up to two additional books for $9.99 a book. And so a lot of times I'll pick one book and then like Dark Matter, I'll add that on the next month for $9.99. And so then it does become cost effective that way. Also, because you're getting the newly released hardbacks, if you have a good used bookstore in your city, a lot of times you can get really premium dollar that's true. for that because it's a new book that's only available on hardback and they don't have a ton of those. So I've actually gotten really good money from my used bookstore giving books of the month, giving book of the month selections um, that way. So I think with all of those, if you're wanting to read those current books, instead of waiting a year or two years when you can get them, you know, for $3.99 or a penny on Amazon or whatever, I think it's a good a good way to do it. I'm actually giving it to my daughter's kindergarten teacher for her Christmas gift because oh, she's a big reader. So and so I'm giving her a three-month subscription to Book of the Month. Okay, that is a great gift. You can yeah. also skip the books. So if you don't like any of the selections that month, you can skip it and then it just extends your subscription for a month. So I like that I am actually picking books that I think I'm going to read and enjoy and not feeling forced into picking one of these five books if they feel really off for me. Yeah, Got that's it. true. That makes sense. Laura, did you have any other discoveries in 2016? I had two discoveries um, that are older books that were new to me that I do feel like are worth mentioning. One is Flight Behavior by Barbara Kingsolver. I bought that on Kindle because it was like a $2.99 Kindle deal or something like that. And I love Barbara Kingsolver's writing. Um, I actually just started on my Kindle one night when I was needing a palate cleanser after a really heavy book or something. And often I'll just like open my Kindle and pick whatever. And I started that when it had been sitting there for a long time. That book is excellent, you guys. It is truly a great little novel. Barbara Kingsolver is just one of the greatest modern writers, she I is. think. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this is a story about kind of a small town girl who gets stuck in her small town. You know, she gets pregnant, has to marry her high school sweetheart, uh, but she's actually very smart um, and just feels very stuck. There were a lot of things about it that I totally understood growing up from it, growing up in a really small town where people who are very smart, very driven, sometimes get stuck there. And reading that book, I was like, I know this girl. Like right. I truly felt like I was reading about someone I knew. And the story is just beautiful and um, redemptive. And I also learned a lot. There's some random stuff about, it's about butterflies. Well, it's kind of about climate change, but don't let that throw you off. It's really, really good. And it's, you know, it's an older book. So you could probably get it at your library or whatever. 
Another one is, this was not a perfect book by any means, pardon the pun because I'm about to tell you the title, but for true crime junkies like myself, I can't believe I hadn't read this before, Perfect Murder, Perfect Town um, by Lawrence Schiller. Yes, I read that years ago, years and years ago. Why didn't I? I don't know. I don't know. It's about the Jean-Benet Ramsey murder, which this is the 20th year anniversary of. And if you have noticed, there are like JonBenet Ramsey specials on all the channels. All the channels mm-hmm. are focusing on JonBenet Ramsey. Um, I've always sort of been interested in that case, but I had never actually read a book on it. So again, I got this super cheap on Kindle and I devoured that book in like a weekend. What I really liked about it is it does not point the finger. Right. Right. A lot of the things I have read or even the TV programs that I've watched that I've found to be wholly irresponsible point the finger at various um, family members usually in this case. Now, I don't even know what I believe about in this case, but what I liked about Perfect Murder, Perfect Town is that he presents all the evidence very – he just like lays it on the table and and does not draw a conclusion. Yeah. Doesn't even like steer a conclusion. Like I felt like he fairly puts it out. Yes. Um, and, and at the end, he presents different theories, including different random conspiracy theories. He sort of just presents it all and lets you decide. And so um, if you are interested in this case and if you're not completely over this case, because so many people have mentioned it in the last few months, this was a great, a great novel. And that was new to me. I have to say, I don't even, I'm not even a big true crime person. I read that years ago and found it to be utterly fascinating. So yeah, yeah. It is fascinating. And I called it a novel. It's not, of course. The other one, quickly, same genre, The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, which is her 20 year or more friendship with Ted Bundy. Yes. The serial killer. I talked about that on this show over the summer, but if you are a true crime reader and you have not read The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule, it needs to be the first thing that you purchase right now and read it. It is absolute must read for true crime. You won't even believe that book, frankly. And it has like 15 addendums at the end. Like I think that book was originally 300 pages and now it's 500 pages because it literally keeps updating itself. It's so good. So great. Okay, super fast, because this is the time of year where, like Jessica mentioned, we're giving gifts. And sometimes those of us who enjoy reading are giving literary inspired gifts. So Jessica, you mentioned giving a Book of the Month Club subscription, which is such a good idea. Are there actual books that you are giving people this year in the holiday season, uh, because you love it so much? Yeah, so my aunt and I are kindred spirits when it comes to reading. We like all the exact same books. And so I picked a couple of my favorites to give to her. One was Homegoing. And of course, several of my favorites she has read this year because as soon as I finished them, I told her to read. Um, But I know she hasn't had read Homegoing yet. So I gave her that one. I think it's just such a prolific read. I think everybody should read that book. And then I also gave her The Wonder, which is written by Emma Donahue, who also wrote the room a room um and it's her new book i learned of it from book of the month i really enjoyed it it's about a little girl in ireland um who the people in her community and even in the country think that she's a miracle child because she has not eaten for four months and she just has had some sips of water every day. And so one of Florence Nightingale's nurses is sent to the small community to keep watch over this girl and figure out, is she really a miracle? Is she a wonder? Or is something else going on and some, in some way this little girl is getting food? And I really loved it. Um, just This book it, was excellent. I can't believe I didn't mention it before. And I'm so glad that you did because this book is so, so, so good. It was so good and unexpected at the end. And um, I really enjoyed it. it w- I found it to be a bit slow at the beginning. And I thought, man, it doesn't normally take me this long to get into a book. I found that I was just reading a couple pages a day instead of devouring it like I normally like to do. But I really enjoyed it. And it has a really pretty cover. And I think that makes for a good gift as well. Um, So those are two that I'm giving this year as a gift. Okay, Laura, what about you? I am giving Between the World and Me by Tanisi Coates. Um, That's a hard book. It's not exactly the type of thing that you would think of as a gift. But I think it's a book everyone should read. It's 
it's small. It's a quick read, uh, an important read in America right now. But I'm giving my girlfriends Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. She is my dear friend and my long, long, long time hero and mentor in these types of matters. Exactly. I really feel like she's in her space talking about how she is choosing to be present with her family instead of constantly striving for perfection. It's a message I think we all need to hear. Shauna's writing is like talking to your best girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And, um, it also has a cute cover, Jessica. That's a good thing to note. Anyway, that's a that's a fun and it's relevant. a very accessible book as well. I loved that book as well, right. and, and think it would make a great gift. Yes. Well, Jessica, you mentioned literary kindred spirits. I know that you have found a group of literary kindred spirits in the sort of literary group on Facebook, where lots of the awesomes hang out and talk about books. I know a lot of you who are listening want to have a follow-up conversation about the best reads of 2016. Jessica, remind us where we can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jessica N. Turner, that's for Nicole, Jessica and Turner, not to be confused with the porn star who's also named <laughs> Jessica Turner. It's so unfortunate. And then you can find me on Facebook at The Mom Creative. Okay, Laura, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura Tremaine and on Instagram at Laura.Tremaine. I also write a monthly email that I send out to thousands of subscribers that I tell them kind of what I'm reading and other things that are trending and what to wear, what to watch. That's a fun little newsletter. I'd love it if you'd sign up for that. You can sign up for that by going to HollywoodHousewife.com. There's a sign up right there. Okay. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find the show on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. You can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life Sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.